man, look at this place. Oh, it looks more like a, a country club than a nursing home. Nice grass, nice people. Now, I hope you brought your bathing suit. My very nice friend, Chris Durr, is back for the second part of our 2023 Masters preview. Mr. Durr, fresh off a nice uh, outing at the Skins game. I believe you, I think you said you dunked one from 80 yards to, to take a skin. So, you know, feeling good, uh, you know, positivity is running high. And then you add the Masters right on top of that, brother. Yeah, it's a, it's a good week, dude. It's a, I... I we had our we did our part one of the podcast earlier, uh, and I do feel like the Masters Week has really snuck up on me. I watched a lot of the press conferences today. Uh, I got down on just Masters content when I was off work for a couple hours, and it just felt good. Um, I'm very very happy again. Very very happy to, to be here. Thank you for having me, and and uh, and it's it's starting to sink in, man. It is the best week of the year, man. It is Masters Week. Um, yeah. So I'm I'm couldn't be more happy to be here and couldn't be more excited to get the ball, get the ball rolling, dude. I want it to be Thursday already. I wanna I can't wait. I know, man. Well, I know. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned the press conferences because I do want to just touch on a couple uh, of things that we heard at press conferences both on Monday and Tuesday. Um, <laughs> God, I'm just I'm just thinking about how much I really like the Masters. I'm just getting really excited. Sometimes I just I, I lose my train of thought just because the excitement starts to overwhelm my entire body. Um, first of all, what, what, what were some of your before I jump into a couple of my talking points here? What were some of your takeaways from the the press conferences? I really like how everybody was speaking very highly about the new 13th hole. Um, obviously, the 13th hole is I wouldn't say a point of controversy, but it is like a really pivotal point in the round. It's always been designed as a hole that was a half par hole, right? Like a, uh, a par four and a half where people had the decision to go for it or lay up. Uh, and obviously we've seen over the last couple of years where most players can either hit three wood around the corner or driver over the trees. And it's not really a question on whether or not they go for it or not. They lay up or they don't lay up. They always go for it, you know? So mm-hmm. I think the fact that it's stretched out a little bit, you, I feel like you'd be scared or inter- like I. you would think that you would hear a lot more people complain about that, but most people were really uh, into the changes and they were like, yeah, this is great. Now I have to hit a good drive. If I hit a good drive, then I have a decision to go for it. And if I hit a bad drive, I'm forced to lay up. And I don't think people talk about that layup enough. Obviously, they're the best players in the world, so it's not really that hard of a shot for them. But mm-hmm. imagine having to hit like a six, seven or five iron, like a mid to high iron, uh, you know, from a hanging lie with water left to a layup spot, like if your body doesn't rotate enough, you're going to pull it into the water and, and then you're making a big mistake, you know, and you fucked up a layup. So uh, I was just really, really impressed with not impressed. I was it was like I noticed how a lot of people were really into the changes on the 13th hole and it made it so the drive is a little bit easier was the general consensus I got from everyone but the second shot becomes a lot trickier so that was one thing that really really stood out and I like how pretty much everyone made it a point to talk about the 13th hole which I thought was awesome yeah and I've got some good quotes so uh as part of this preview we also kind of wanted to preview the the golf course itself and really this extension of the 13th hole is kind of the main talking point because it's the single biggest change uh that's been made to the golf course um, which, by the way, for people that don't know, there's not a single golf course, not just in professional golf, but probably just in golf, that changes more frequently 
than Augusta National Golf Club. They make tweaks and changes to this golf course every single year. And, you know, Tiger Woods has gone on record. I mean, everybody has gone on record, you know, saying something to the tune of, you know, I know this golf course really well, but every year you come back, you have to, you know, that's why the practice rounds are really important because they do make so many changes and subtle tweaks to the golf course that you, you know, it's not reliably the same golf course when you go back each and every year. And so this extension of the 13th hole is a product of, you know, something we've been talking about on this podcast, people, you know, in the golf world have been talking about nonstop for the last month. And that is the distance, you know, the, the problem of distance guys are hitting it too far, making certain holes obsolete, not playing the way that they were intended when the course was designed. This is especially a problem for older golf courses, you know, golf courses that used to tip out at 6,500 yards, which at the time was really, really long, which by today's standard, those guys could go play with a, a seven iron, a wedge and a putter and probably shoot four under it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy. And so with, you know, with guys hitting the ball as far as they did, Augusta National, I think, has wanted, a, you know, some sort of an equipment rollback. I think they may have been waiting. Uh, something, you know, things that Fred Ridley has said in the past kind of alluded to, you know, we're waiting for the governing bodies, the RNA and the USGA, to make a ruling on this, but also saying, you know, not so subtly that we would support a rollback. It would help preserve, you know, our golf course in its current state. Now, thankfully, Augusta has seemingly an endless war chest. Of, of funds to be able to do these kinds of things in order to extend the 13th hole again azalea the, the infamous dogleg left par five the most famous hole in all of golf i think they ended up spending 20 million dollars to purchase some land from augusta country club which uh runs right along you know is is the property lines butt up against one another and they spent again tens of millions of dollars to purchase this little extra plot of land just so they could extend the 13th hole from uh, the Masters tees up to last year, the hole played at 510 yards, and it has been extended to 545 yards. And they're hoping that by lengthening the hole, it will return the whole strategy to the way it was intended when it was first laid out by Bobby Jones and Alistair McKenzie. Now, I have a, a nice little quote for the listeners here, from Mr. Bobby Jones himself. This is not uh, from the press conference yesterday. Uh, this is a quote that is nearly 100 years old. So, um, But Bobby Jones' quote, In my opinion, this 13th hole is one of the finest holes for competitive play I have ever seen. The player is first tempted to dare the creek on his tee shot by playing close to the corner because if he attains this position, he has not only shortened the hole, but obtained a more level lie for his second shot. Driving out to the right not only increases the length of the second shot, but encounters an annoying side hill lie. The second shot as well entails a momentous decision whether or not to try for the green. A player who dares the creek on either his first or second shot may very easily encounter a six or a seven on this hole. Yet, reward of successful, bold play is most enticing End quote. And the reason I felt I needed to share that with you and everybody listening, Mr. Durr, is in some of those press conferences and some of the interviews players have been giving, there's been a lot of guys, the longest guys on tour, Dustin Johnson, you know, John, a lot of guys are saying, yeah, I'm, I'm just never going to be going forward in two. You know, it's just, it's too long. But none of them are doing what Mr. Jones, you know, like the respect that this is the master, so he will only be referred to as Mr. Jones from here on out. Um, how, how he says, in order to get there in two, 
you have to challenge the creek on either the first or the second shot. And I think a lot of these guys have gotten so used to be able to hit three wood or, you know, take it over the trees of the driver and have an eight iron or a seven iron in that now if they hit a good drive and they're in a position where they need to hit a four iron or maybe a hybrid, a lot of the guys have just said they won't do it. I think Billy Horschel went on the record said, if I have anything over a five iron into that green, I'm not going for it. And I guess my question to you is, are the players, has the playing style become so much more conservative because of data and metrics and things like that where guys have just realized that mathematically it's just not worth it to go for a green like that with a long iron or a hybrid in their hand? Or, and I think this is the, this is the question that I think a lot of the casual golf fans are asking. Have they just gotten soft? Like, have, have today's tour pros just turned into huge pussies that refuse to hit daring golf shots? No, I don't think they have. I think they will still hit daring golf shots. I, I saw that Billy Ho quote as well. And I this is, I'll just, I'll frame it in this way for the listeners, for your mind and for the listener's mind. So Billy Horschel said he would not go for the green if he had anything more than a five iron in his hand. Let's say Billy Horschel is in position on Sunday afternoon to win the Masters, right? He's, mm-hmm. let's say Billy Horschel is two shots back to start the day, right? Starting the day on Sunday, he's two shots back. He's in the second to last group. He plays a decent front nine. He shoots one under. He birdies eight, and he makes a great par on nine, and he's one shot back going into the back nine. He pars 10, 11, and 12. Great start to his back nine on Sunday, right? Goes four four three to start the back mm-hmm. nine is still one back, you know, the groups behind him still have 10 and 11 to play, but they haven't made any birdies yet, you know, so he's still one back, same position he was in after nine, and he hits it in the fairway, in the left center, slight hanging lie on 13, and he's got 221 in. Like, is that not the most compelling television in the world? Because you've already heard Billy Horschel say that he wouldn't go for it, but you know what every fiber of his being is telling him to do in that moment? Go for it. Hit the green. Don't be a wuss. Don't be a wuss, dude. Like the whole, every single fiber of his being, he's going to be fighting every instinct he has to not go for it because everything's going to be like, dude, 221, it's just a four iron. It's just a four iron. You need to hit a good four iron. You know, it's a hanging lie. A hanging lie for a right handed golfer works away from Ray's Creek. You know, if I just can commit and hit a good shot, the ball will draw. The ball will move away from Ray's Creek. The ball will go further. The ball will cover Ray's Creek. Like, let me just sack up and do it. Let me just sack up and make a good swing. And just that alone, that decision making process that he's going to have to go through is going to be incredibly compelling for anyone that knows anything about golf. Your casual yeah. golf fan probably won't understand exactly what's going on but they will still get the excitement and the gratification from whether he chooses to go for it or lay up and anybody with a high golf iq that is watching will know exactly the decisions that he's going through in his mind and it'll be some of the most compelling tv of all time at the masters and by lengthening the hole and bringing the tee back obviously it sucks that they had to spend so much money sucks that they had to move a road sucks that they had to buy land from augusta country club all those things yield uh, further discussion on bifurcation and the ball, but that's not what we're talking about right now. We're just talking about the hole and how it plays in and of itself right now with the modern technology. And I think that lengthening it and bringing that decision into players' hands is incredibly compelling because there's it's un, undoubtedly someone will be faced with that decision on Sunday afternoon, and it's going to be compelling TV to just watch them play the mental gymnastics. And whether they decide to go for it or lay up, really... 
it's there's no right or wrong decision, right? Both are right yeah. and both are wrong. Both are equally right and both are equally wrong. But just watching the guy anguish over that decision will be completely and utterly compelling television. And I can't wait for it, dude. So I think it's I think it's a really good thing that they did. I think it's a really, really good thing that they did by lengthening that hole. If if I just give you like a situation on 13, let's say you drop a ball left center of the fairway and you ha- give the guys 240 to the center of the green. What percentage of the players in the field? I mean, you can, you can just, you know, speak in general terms here. How many guys going into that green complex with 240 to the center of the green have the green liner going for it? I'd say, I, I, I think it's higher than you think. I think it's closer to 40 or 50 percent. Okay. Okay. Because I again, I when I heard that that quote from Billy Ho and reading some of the quotes, because I'm actually going to share some quotes with you here, brother. Um, a lot of the guys, uh, you know, in their press conferences, had some takes in the 13th hole. Um, like Tiger said, you know, I think it's going to be very similar to what happened in 2002 with the changes when they actually had extended a lot of the other parts of the golf course back then. They were so dramatic on some holes, dramatic lengthening that we were all kind of astounded by. Just how far the golf course is playing, but then as years passed, it just kind of became a moot point, and all of a sudden, just started to seem normal. As far as thirteen goes, I think there'd be more. He's like, I, I think there's going to be less threes and less sevens, and I think there's going to be more fours and fives, uh, and I think that's probably the best way to describe it. Do you take any issue with that comment from Tiger? Yeah, I disagree with that comment from Tiger, which is strange. Okay. I'm, I don't. I'm. I'm just a guy in San Diego, so it's very. <laughs> that that's a big Tiger fan, so I find it very bizarre to be um, disagreeing with Tiger. Uh, mm-hmm. But I this okay. So I'm going to ask you and the listeners to to frame this thought experiment a little bit differently. Okay. Tiger saying there will be less threes and less sevens, so he thinks the dispersion will be uh. Like, the dispersion of scores will be tighter and closer to par, is his theory on that hole. I think that the dispersion... I think the hole, in and of itself, will probably play to a very similar average that it did in the past, right? But I think it will get to that average in a very different way. And I Mm -hmm. think you will see guys that go for it make more big numbers. So back with 13, the way it's been the last 10 years, most of the guys that are going for it are going for it with an 8 or 7 iron. The chances that you hit the 8 or 7 iron into Ray's Creek are very, very slim. So I think if you lose 10% of the guys that go for it, right? So if 10% less guys go for it this this year because they're hitting a longer iron, iron in, of the remaining percentage of players that are going for it, I think you will see a higher dispersion there because the bigger number will be brought into play because you're going for it with a four, five, three, two iron or five wood. You know, you're going for it with a longer mm-hmm. club, which brings in the 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 probability of hitting it into the creek more. And because whatever ten percent less players will be going for it than did last year, there'll be more guys that lay up. And the guys that lay up on a PGA tour level, I don't think any of the guys that lay up are gonna make six. If you lay up and lay up good, you're going to make a four or five, which is fine. That hole was already playing as a four or five for most people. But I think of Mm -hmm. that like 20% of players that go for it or 30% of players that go for it or 40% of players that go for it, right in that range of players that end up going for it, I think the variance in their score, there might be less threes because they're hitting a further shot in, but you're bringing sixes and sevens into play a little bit more. 
which is incredibly mm-hmm. exciting because, frankly, in the modern game, in order to be one of the best players in the world, you need to be long. So if you're going to be giving yourself the option to go for 13-2, and two, you are already the prerequisite is already there that you are a long player, which in turn probably means you're one of the better players in the world right now. So you're going to see the better players in the world faced with the decision on whether or not to go for it, and you will see the better players in the world make a higher variance of score. They will bring 7s into play, and they will probably bring less 3s into play, but they're bringing 6s and 7s into play. The Tom Hoagies and the Tom Kims and the kind of middle of the pack tour pros, a lot of them are just going to lay up and they're going to make their four or their five and that's it, right? But like the the people who end up going for it in that decision is going to create a wide variance of score. So I think that's really, really exciting. And I do see a little bit where Tiger's coming from and it feels really strange to like disagree with the goat. But uh, but I think he, I think he might be a little wrong there. I think I think it's going to, I think I think it might, I think the, the dispersion of scores will still be pretty high. Um, uh, and the variance in scores will still be pretty high, and I think it'll just be interesting to see like the best players in the world and the longest players in the world faced with the decision on what they're going to do when they come to that shot. Yeah, and I, I do think some of the the pushback that we've heard from players, just in terms of oh yeah, I'm going to be laying up, I I don't think it really has all that much to do with the new tee box, uh, because I mean a 545 yard par you know par five, I, I feel like we see a lot of par fours that length or longer on tour, right? Um, I, I think a lot of the commentary you're hearing from players uh, has a lot to do with the weather. I mean, you know, for, for being the best week of the year in the world of golf, um, crappy. Weather. you know, the elephant in the room that nobody really wants to talk about right now is just that the weather looks like it's going to fucking suck. It's going to be a Monday um, finish, man. It's going to be a Monday finish. Yeah, I mean, if anyone th- wants to bet on a Monday finish, dude, please do that. Yeah, I mean, I, man, I can't recall. I didn't uh, write it down in my notes, but I don't think they've had a Monday finish at the Masters in two or three decades. Uh, certainly not in this century. Um, so I, I know they certainly would really prefer for this tournament to end on Sunday. I don't know if Brother Nature is going to allow that to happen. Um, but again, I, I think a lot of the pushback that you, you hear guys like, oh, I'm going to be laying up. If the weather was looking good and the golf course is playing firm, I don't think this would, I, I, I don't think any of the guys would be talking like this. I think because it's supposed to be so wet and the golf course is going to be playing as soft as people um, and the players are saying it has been over their practice rounds, that that is what I think is going to be the main culprit for more guys laying up. Because I think if the golf course was playing firm and fast uh, the way that Augusta would like it to, you know, if the weather was cooperating, I think the new tee box at the length they've put it to um, is going to be just perfect. So it, it, may not, it, it may not provide a more entertaining golf hole this year in 2023, but I do really like you know, what they've done going forward. Because when the weather is halfway decent, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think I, I think that's a, I think the weather is like a huge, like, determining factor in how that whole plays. And I think this, they might not get all the rewards from the decision to, to lengthen the hold this year. But I think, yeah, like you said, over the course of the next five or ten years and as the weather cooperates, uh, I think that hole is going to play awesome. You know, and we might not get yeah. it all this year, but I think in, in general it will just play way, way better. Yeah, I want to share a couple more quotes with you regarding Please. the 13th hole from some of the players. And I just realized that I was going to read these guys anyway, but I more or less just kind of paraphrased a couple of the quotes. Uh, first one from Max Homa, quote, uh, it's going to be interesting this year because of the weather. Uh, I almost feel like it's not going to show as much risk-reward as it probably would if the weather was good, end quote. Yeah, yeah, I think he's he's right. And then Phil, uh, Phil actually didn't have a formal press conference in the media center like he normally does, but he did go on the record and gave a couple of interviews and what Phil had to say was, quote, 
Uh, I think in perfect conditions, it's probably right on. I, I think with it being wet, it will be hard to go for it and probably not as uh, much of a risk-reward positive to go for it because the greens are soft and you can still chip. Uh, chip it close, and it's not really worth it. You know, It might not be worth the risk given how much flexibility you have around the green, end quote. Um, so those guys think the weather is you know, going to... Uh, I want to say it's, it's not the teeth aren't going to be as sharp as it uh, it will be in future years. Uh, John Rom actually had an interesting thing to say here. I want to share a quote from John Rom. Uh, quote: I've been able to hit eight iron there into the greens in the past, and obviously that's a huge advantage. It's funny mentioning this. Obviously, I've seen a lot of videos of people hitting a tee shot and then having a long iron uh, on that hole, talking about four irons, two irons, possibly woods. I think they just wanted it to play the way it was meant to be played, right? Uh, it, it you know. It kind of gets to a point that 11 being a par 4 that's, you know, longer than the 13th, it's, it's just a bit odd. Um, totally agree. And then last one, Larry Mize, the great Larry Mize. Uh, quote, it's a big change. And as far as these kids hit the ball, pfft, something that needed to be done a long time ago. End quote. Larry Mize spitting yeah. facts. And I like I like John Rom's take as well. I really enjoyed John Rom's press conferences and in general thing. Uh, I I I thought he had a lot of good things to say, and I, I agree with. It. I think it's funky that eleven is a par four that plays longer than thirteen is a par five. Uh, I it, you know it's the best players in the world don't get a lot of long irons in their hands very often, and I think to see a long iron with with heavy consequence on back to, on back to back par fives on thirteen and fifteen, I oh think it's just a a. It's a movie, dude. It's what makes it's a, it's part of what makes Augusta great, right? And Augusta's let me wet my beak. Yeah, oh, it it, sounds so great. Let me wet my beak, right? And Augusta's playing into that, and I'm so down for it because I think it's just going to be great for the way the golf course presents and plays over the course of the next week. So I'm I'm excited. John Rom's right. Larry Mize is right. Those guys know what they're talking about, dude. So I I can't wait, dude. I can't wait. Yeah. So so basically, this lengthening of the 13th hole is the single biggest change um, that we're going to be seeing. At Augusta, a couple other notes that I think uh, you and I wanted to touch on real quickly before we get into players and picks and things like that is, uh, you know, other changes going around at Augusta. There was an awesome, and I mean awesome, article that Joel Beal wrote in Golf Digest last week. Uh, It's called The Plan. It basically, you know, laid out this quote-unquote plan that Billy Payne and his predecessors at Augusta National Golf Club um, basically have put together for Augusta National in its seemingly endless desire to expand and grow um this t extension on 13 you know this is something that they have been talking about and discussing for two decades right this is the first year it's finally going to go in i think had you know this model look you know model local rule that is going to restrict the flight on balls had gone into effect a couple years ago maybe they wouldn't have done it but because it didn't they lengthened it they have a whole bunch of other stuff in the pipeline and they have this you know they have plans at augusta national christopher that Again, are now going to twenty years out from right now. Can I can I go over some of these proposed changes and things that they're they're looking to do for the golf course and just get your quick reaction? Please, dude. I haven't read this article yet, so I'm actually very curious to hear what they what the, what their moves are. So, well, first of all, in addition to uh, extending the tee on the thirteenth hole, you know, a, a big change they made this year that doesn't necessarily have to do with the golf course that the guys are going to be playing Thursday through Sunday. They've totally renovated the par three course. They've built, I think, five or six new holes out there. They've expanded the uh, the viewing area so there can be thousand. You know, they can fit several thousand more patrons into the par three course for the contest that's going to be going on on Wednesday. That's part of the plan. Some other plans that they have uh, coming down the pipeline: steakhouse, a new merchandise. 
Yeah, a new merchandise pavilion on the east side of the property that's going to be near the par three course. The merchandise at the Masters is is legendary, so that always good to have some more of that. Uh, like as I said, they expanded the par three course for the patron viewing. Uh, other, you know, and let's see. Sorry, I'm just getting scattered in my notes here. You're fine. Uh, changes that could be coming in the next twenty years: a new banquet hall, on-site housing for all players and all media. Wow, amazing! Are you ready for this? A new 18-hole golf course. I heard about west this. of the current course that could theoretically play host to the first couple rounds of the Augusta National Women's Amateur. But also, there's been a lot of members out there, uh, and I-, I think Joel Beal got 50 or 60 sources, many of which are Augusta members for this article. Uh, a lot of members have wanted a second course for a long time, and I think when Augusta National was first founded, there was always a plan to build uh, like a women's course. And, and and back then they would call it a women's course. Today you would just call it, you know, a golf course that probably course. tips out at yeah. sixty one or sixty two hundred yards, right? Um, so there there was you know there was plans a long time ago. Obviously Augusta National was built you know right as the Great Depression was kicking in, so that that didn't happen. But they now have the means and the resources to buy all the land surrounding Augusta National. They've been slowly acquiring property over the last thirty years. I think I don't know how many hundreds of acres, how many hundreds of plots of land. They've bought individually over the past several decades, but it's that has been confirmed. They have done that. They are continuing to buy more land to expand, expand, expand. They're also thinking they're going to build a new practice facility. They're going to build a second par three course. In fact, this is the one that was the craziest. They are going to fund and build a highway exit off the off the highway that is about you know a mile or so west of the property. They're going to build a freeway entrance or a freeway exit. Excuse me goes directly into what will then be the new parking lot just so patrons will have an easier time getting in into and out of parking it also will not you know it'll make it so the patrons don't have to walk along the streets outside of augusta national on the north side where there's all the hawkers and the vendors trying to sell you know bootleg stuff and trying to you know get people to park on their lawns for 50 bucks they're just going to cut all that out they said you know what we're just going to make this as easy as possible for you all the stuff we have you know is pretty affordable. We're not going to get you know, parking is included. Like, what, don't mess with all that. Just cut, get right off that highway. Come right it. I've never heard Chris of a private entity building their own freeway exit and entrance for an event that happens one week out of the year. Are, what what is your what is your reaction to this stuff, man? Dude, crazy. So I, I I had not read this article, but it's funny. I did hear about all this stuff, right? And so I think yeah. It's, it's been big news. It's big news. And I think my main takeaway from all of this, which it may be right or maybe wrong, I don't think any of this really affects the Masters, right? It doesn't really matter. The Masters is going to be the Masters tournament ever. You're totally right. But I do love to see Augusta National taking the mantle and understanding that they are widely regarded as thought leaders and innovators in the golf space, right? Like they, people look to Augusta national for answers as to where the professional game should be going or where the professional game is going and like how to, how to best do that for people. Right. So I think all of these things are going to greatly benefit the women's game. And I think it's great that they're, going to try to build another golf course where they can host the annual 
I think it's great where they're going to try to build another golf course that's lady specific so they could potentially host another professional major event for ladies. Mm-hmm. I think the spectator event for the par three to make it so that the par three course is a more lit and then be more open to spectators. So people can come watch and get their Augusta experience, you know, and get their whole Augusta day. I think, mm-hmm. I think it's just really, really nice to see a club like Augusta, a private entity that is a for-profit entity trying to continue to push the envelope on what it is that they do and what space they occupy in the golf world for the general positivity of our game. So I don't know. I think it's awesome. And they're not, and they're doing it. You know what, what I think is really cool, Kyle? Um, Tell me. They're not doing it. I don't want to say they're not doing it in the traditional way. I love Bandon Dunes. I'm not gonna. I'm never gonna talk shit on Bandon Dunes, right? But Bandon Dunes has built, you know, five champion, not championship style, the resort courses, but like big golf courses, right? Like five big, bold, beautiful golf courses. And Augusta, with this plan, seems to be very much leaning into the fact that, like, no, 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 we have our the biggest and beautiful and most boldest golf course ever already. So let's build something for the ladies. Let's build something that is of equal importance but satisfies a different itch. And I feel like that's not something that a lot of 36-hole facilities will do. They'll try to just top each other with, like, the one golf course needs to try to top the other. The other golf course needs to try to top the other. Where Augusta seems very open to the idea of, like, hey, you know what? Like, we can make something that is equally as good but different. And I don't think that that attitude is taken by a lot of people that are building multiple golf courses on a certain facility. So it's cool to see Augusta, A, embrace that, and B, dive what seems to be headfirst into that, right? And, and you know, there, that doesn't mean that it has to be a ladies' course, right? Like, it could be anything, right? But it's, it just seems to be that their thought process is a little different than most other places that are multi-golf course facilities, which I think is really, really cool, right? And I think... I think um, Augusta has caught flack in the past for not being progressive or not being, you know, just being, justifiably so. Justifiably so, right? Like, listen, I'm not going to sit here and cancel Augusta. Like, I don't want to do that. But like, you know, whatever. I there's, also will not be canceling. Yeah, Augusta. there's, you know, whatever. There's you if you wanted to if you wanted to find things to say about Augusta, you could find things to say, right? Uh, People change. Yeah, things change. It's fine. Exactly, and it's cool to see them. Uh, like just pushing this forward a little bit in a completely different way than we've seen. Um, so I'm excited about the changes. I think the changes are awesome. I think having a really lit par three course that is friendly to patrons is awesome. And I think having a, a, a equally as good but different golf course that satisfies a different need that could host the first two rounds of the Anwar or potentially host a ladies major down the road, I think is absolutely awesome. And I like the fact that they're very open to that. They're instead of trying to, instead of trying to create another big brawny championship test they're like no 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 no. we can do something different that will that will have as great if not a greater impact on the game of golf than the original augusta national uh has had and has on the current golf game so i don't know hats off to fred ridley and everybody at augusta i think these are actually really good moves as for the parking lot off the freeway who cares I got the one thing I was like when I was reading this article, I was like, man, that's some fucking pressure. Can you imagine being the architect, you know, that gets chosen? Like, all right, 
you're building a course at Augusta. All you have to do is just build a golf course that's as good as the greatest golf course ever built that's right next door. You got it. Dude, why, I would love to see like a, like I, a golf course. They're, they're going to have all I the resources they want, but course. yeah, that would be wild. Golf course by committee. Like it's too much. It's too much. Uh, it's too much pressure for one man to do. So why not have multiple? Like why not? Well, have... I think that's just why you hire Corin Crenshaw. You get you get two of them. You get a Masters champion and you know one of the best to do it. I, I feel like that would have to be the. I feel like that's a no brainer. But like, why not have Cor Crenshaw do three holes and then Doke do three holes and then King Collins <laughs> do three holes and then have like Fazio do three holes? Like what if it, what if it was just like a, a golf course by committee, dude? That would be so sick. I think. I got to say, I think if we can somehow find a way to sneak into Butler Cabin and just drop a little, you know, drop some acid into Mr. Ridley's, you know, uh, sweet tea, I, th- I think I, I think we might be a businessman. First things first, I think we might just induce Fred Ridley into a panic attack, dude. I don't think Fred Ridley's ever <laughs> realized that the sky could be a different color than it already is. He'd freak out. He'd be like, what the fuck? Why does it look red all of a sudden? I don't think he'd know what to do. Grass is purple for some reason. This is weird. Uh, I think he'd have a panic attack if we gave him acid, but I think it would be fun to watch from an innocent bystander's perspective. It would, yeah. I mean, it would be certainly entertaining. By the way, quick note on Fred Ridley. I, I remember hearing this a couple of years ago, but I had totally forgotten until I heard. I think they might have mentioned it on live from, or maybe I was reading it somewhere. But did you realize that Fred Ridley was the last person to win the USAM that didn't go pro? Yes, I did know that. I did know that. Fred That's like Ridley 50 years is, ago. I, yeah, as That's a like 50... as a steward. As a steward of the amateur game, I did in fact know that about Fred Ridley. It's I perfect that he's you know, the chairman of Augusta National, but yeah, it's, it's just that, that's crazy to me. Like fifty years, every USAM player has gone pro, which again, that's not surprising. It's just, uh, yeah, that that just used to be like the biggest flex is to win big tournaments. Be like, by the way, I'm not a pro, and I still beat all of you. Yeah, Fred. I and the more I hear about Fred Ridley, the more he seems like just the man, dude. He just seems like the fucking yeah. man, dude. So maybe we'll reconsider going and spiking his his sweet team. Maybe we'll just let the we'll just let the man be. I mean, listen, dude, he could be the dude and also do a little bit of acid, right? Like a little acid never hurt anybody. I agree. I, I totally agree. Um, speaking of acid, this is the craziest thing I ever saw, man. I, I think we're we're, we're going to jump into players now. Am I fucking taking crazy pills? Did they put slow Kevin Na out in the first group on Thursday to set the pace? Oh. What the fuck is going on here? Where 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 am I? Oh God! I didn't see that. Kevin Nod is is leading that. off this golf tournament at eight a.m. on Thursday. Kevin Nod, potentially the slowest player on tour. I think. Uh, gosh, is he paired with? Uh, he's paired with Mike Weir. The first group off eight a.m. Eastern, five five a.m. Pacific time. Kevin Nod. God, that I, that that's... that feels incorrect to me. That feels like such a slight, dude. They're just gonna—they're just looking to penalize Kevin Na. They're like, dude, I can't wait to serve this dude up a two—a two-stroke penalty, dude. They're just trying to—they're just trying to serve him up a little penalty, dude. That seems bizarre. That's <laughs> yeah. crazy. So, anyway, let's go through some pairings real quick, and I think this would be a fun exercise for us to go through the rest of the field. Now, we went through like some of the top ten players to watch on part one of this podcast. Uh, we're going to go through the rest of the field, and we'll probably still, you know, touch again on maybe one or two of the guys that we had discussed last episode. But if you want to hear that, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I would encourage you to go back and listen to uh, part one of our Masters preview. Uh, but let's kind of go through some of the tee times now that we have them. Um, there are two stretches here, Chris, that are just fuego. Like, I, I mean, there, there's there, there's a couple spots in the morning and a couple spots in the afternoon where it's just four to five straight groups of just heat, like absolute heat. 
I have highlighted some of the most notable pairings. We'll go through each of them. I'll share who they are with you, and if you maybe just want to touch on one guy in each pairing that you know that you have some thoughts on or you're looking forward to, we'll we'll just do it that way. Does it sound agreeable? Sounds sounds. Uh, I couldn't agree more, Kyle. I couldn't agree more. Oh, lovely. All right, let's jump into. And uh, by the way, the times I'm going to quote to you are Pacific time because we're civilized. We don't go off East Coast time like a bunch of heathens. We're just we're just lucky, dude. They're just they. You know what, dude? It sucks to live on the East Coast, so they have to try to b- bully us with their time. And we're just like, you know what? Fine, we'll go off Eastern time. It's nice over here. So. I, I felt like I had to mark this down as our first group just because there's two very notable players in this group. One <laughs> teeing off at 624 West Coast time. You have. Patrick Reed. Sahitha Gala and Adam Svensson. Mr. <laughs> Shuck. The land behind the ball himself, Mr. P. Reed, alongside, playing alongside one of the single most likable people on the PGA Tour in Sahitha Gala. Um, thoughts on the 624 pairing? I think Adam Svensson might have the prettiest golf swing on tour. So do yourself a favor, and if you have a second, watch him hit an iron shot. It's very pretty. Sahitha Gala... Uh, is by far and away the most likable guy on tour uh, right now. I think he's really, really cool. I have a funny story about Sahith yeah. Tagala, actually. Uh, I played in a USAM qualifier way back in the day. This is probably 2017, 2018, maybe right around, maybe 16, okay. right around there. And of course, called Crystal Air, which is just this little club in uh, in Llano, California, which, you know, if you're, if you're unfamiliar, dude, it's shocking. I can't believe you've never heard of Llano. Anyway. Um, he shot 14 under for two days and had 27 people following him. And I was two groups behind him. What? Yeah, dude. I was like two groups behind him. And I remember just being like, dude, who is this guy? And why are there so many people out there? One who was out there is mom, his dad, his siblings, probably some cousins, probably some uncles. But he had an entire crew of people out there and he boat raced the field and qualified for the USAM because that's what elite players do, right? But I remember just being like, dude, like how cool, right? Like I play in tournaments and sometimes I get embarrassed when people come to watch me. I'm like, oh, I'm like really shy about it. I'm like, oh, you don't have to come out here and watch, dude. You don't have to come out here and watch me shoot my even par. Like that's not, whatever. This dude had like a full-on crew of people watching him, and then he just went out there and hung dong. So, and then it's just cool because he's still doing that, right? Like, you know, the the images of him at waste management, where his brother flew out from work to see him on Sunday, and like mom and dad and everyone's still there. It's just it's just cool. Like that's so unbelievably likable to have such a tight knit family that like supports you that heavily. Like that's just really really cool. Um, and then P reads a scumbag. Fuck him. So, um, like it's I, it's it's a very interesting group for sure. Uh, I uh, I think the course sets up well for Sahith. I think Sahith bodies that group. I'm 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 long on Sahith in that position, but yeah, that is an interesting pairing for sure. They gave they let Pat Reed off easy, man. Pat Reed could have they literally paired Pat Reed with the nicest guy on tour. Excuse me, like that's ridiculous, dude. Like. The Masters kind of went a little soft. It sucks for Sahith. Sucks for Sahith, dude. Sucks for Sahith. I'm sure he'll be able to figure it out. But, like, 
they they did they they honestly did Pat Reed a favor there with that. Like that's like some kind of past champion shit where they kind of hooked him up. I shouldn't be swearing, but like that's just some. You could swear on this podcast. I know, but that's just some past champion shit, dude. Where they just like catered to him, and it's like fuck that, dude. P Reed's a scumbag, and everyone knows it, dude. Like why are you why are you doing him any favors with like a Canadian sweetheart with a beautiful golf swing, and then the nicest guy on tour? Like that's who you're pairing the scummiest dude that has played professional golf in the last fifty years. Like, come me a break, dude. Like, pair him with like Phil and Bryson, dude, and let them just live in a tornado for two days and shoot eighty. Uh, that's hilarious. Um, all right, let's see. Should we move to the seven eighteen Pacific Coast time, uh, tea time? At seven eighteen. And by the way, I tried. I think I thought I did this for the last pairing and realized that I only had it in preview mode. So I'm about to blow your mind here. Ready? At seven eighteen, we have Tiger Woods, Xander Schauffele, and Vic Hovland. It seems very appropriate that Tiger got the drum roll and not P. Reed, dude. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, it actually worked out I'm, better that I, way. I think it worked out way better. I think it worked out way better that way. Um, I, that's a great group. That's that. a great group for Tiger. That's a great group for Tiger. Xander's quiet and chill. Uh, Victor Hovland. Featured group, by the way, of course. Uh, for, for Thursday and Friday. That is going to be one of the four featured groups, Tiger, Xander, Vic. Um Man, what a fun group. I, I think love Xander, watching all think, three of these guys play golf. I think Xander, again, is the no-brainer as the low out of that group, right? Um, Victor Hovland makes me fucking nervous, dude. He can't chip the ball that good, and he hasn't really been playing that great. And you know what? Talking, We spoke earlier about press conferences uh, that we saw earlier today, and I didn't bring this up in that conversation, but I'm bringing it up now. A lot of those guys, like the Homas and the Roms and those guys that I saw give their press conferences, a lot of them were talking about how critical it is to chip the ball really well around Augusta National. And normally you think of Augusta National as uh, as a second-shot golf course, but John Robb said something really, really poignant, I thought. He said that most Masters winners average around 60% of greens per round, which is pretty low by tour average when it comes to winning tour events. Yeah, yeah. Um, which means that people miss greens when they play Augusta National and people miss greens when they win at Augusta National, which means that their short game and chipping has to be great. And Rom brought up the fact that Scotty was getting up and down from everywhere, which he was. If you think about that round last year, Scotty was getting up and down from everywhere. So obviously Tiger is a disgusting chipper of the golf ball, but like I, mean, I refuse to put any expectations on Tiger because my man has negative legs and negative backs. So it's like I'm not going to... I'm just everything I get from Tiger is a cherry on top, and I hope he does everything great. And then Victor Hovland, yeah, I, Victor Hovland, I don't trust his short game, and Xander's I think has the nastiest short game of the three. So I think Xander, I think Xander does something in that group, and I think that's a really friendly pairing for Xander in the sense that like yeah, Tiger will draw the mob, but Hovland will be pretty low key, and and I think I think I think Xander will be able to play good and showcase his skills pretty well through that group. Why, why hasn't Victor Hovland? been really in like in contention on the back nine on Sunday in a major yet. he seems like he's way too good now, I know that he was in the final pairing at the open championship last year but it, uh, what, what was it the second hole the third hole where it just felt like he was a non-factor like right where it was just Rory and him in the last group where it was just Rory Cam and then Cam Young and it felt like Vic just dropped out almost um, he just ejected immediately like I, no, nobody was thinking about Victor Hovland being any kind of a factor on the back nine on Sunday, despite being in the final pairing. He's so good, man. Like, is it getting... How much longer do we have to watch him not compete when it matters on Sunday before we start to tell ourselves, 
Maybe he's not the guy we want him to be. I'm fully on board with Victor not being the guy we want him to be. I love Victor. It's nothing personal against him. Dude, okay, how about this? How about this, Kyle? When was the last time Victor was in contention on Sunday? Ever. <laughs> like, not just in majors. I mean, like, ever. Did he win at Congaree last year? Was that what, like, didn't, I think he won some at some point in the 2022 season. Exactly, did he not? dude. Exactly. You don't even know. <laughs> okay. dude. Like, that's like that's the point, man. Victor's just not that guy. He's great and he's cool and he's got good sound bites and he's got a pretty golf swing and like he's a young gun who had a lot of promise and still has a lot of promise. But I think Victor Hovland is going to be like his career is shaping up and it seems to me to be a lot like a Lee Westwood career. Just someone that's always there but doesn't do anything, you know? Uh, Interesting. And and I like Hovland. I like I want Hovland. Lee Westwood taking strays. Oh, forty-five minutes into the yeah. Pod. Welcome to the hey, Lee. Lee, welcome, to, welcome to Strayville, <laughs> dude. You caught one. Uh, sorry, Lee, dude. Like, hey, one of my most memorable moment from Lee Westwood is is him leaving a putt short at the two thousand eight U.S. Open to get in a playoff. Bitch, made, dude. Get it there, my guy. Anyway, um, I think I think Hovland is very similar, right? I think Hovland's very similar. Like he doesn't have much. Yeah, he doesn't have much. He doesn't have any of those moments yet, and I don't. I couldn't tell you what is missing in his game to have him take that next step. But the results speak for themselves, right? Something is missing. So hopefully he can figure that out. And I'm rooting for him, and I want to see Victor do great. But like I don't see it yet. You know, I haven't seen it yet. So we might be just expecting a little too much too soon from Vic Hovland. Is kind of what I'm getting. And honestly, I, I, that actually sounds more comfortable to me as a golf fan being in that place as opposed to not understanding why he can't get it done. I, I think the, the evidence that he showed us the last couple of years, I think makes it okay for us not to expect too much from him. So, all right, that's good. I'm glad we talked that one over. Uh, the very next group after Tiger, Xander, and Hov, unless you got something else. That's all I got. Okay. Uh, the group immediately after those guys at 7.30, 12 minutes later, uh, you have Adam Scott, Kurt Kitayama, and Patrick Cantlay. Three guys that I don't think are on the top of the marquee, but three guys that are, you know, a former Masters champion, a guy who's already won a designated event this year, and Patrick Cantlay, who's, you know, firmly one of the 10 best golfers in the world. Um, I don't know. Who, who stands out there to you? That's a tough one, right? I th- I think the obvious answer there is Cantlay. I love Adam Scott. I'm such an Adam Scott head. I'm a big Adam Scott fan. I think Adam Scott's the fucking man. Um, love the golf swing. Love the love the beige. You love know, the guy. love you love the accent. Everything about the guy himself and the, and the golfer. I really like Adam. I Scott. think it's a no brainer to take Cantley in this one. I think Kitayama misses the cut. Kitayama is one of my my bets to miss the cut. Oh, it's, he's a rookie, dude. Okay, he's a rookie. His swing isn't going to be good on the side hill lies. Like I, I think Kitayama. I think Kitayama flames out. I think Kitayama misses the cut grossly. I think he shoots like seventy seven, seventy six. And Mrs. The Cut disgusting. Uh, so, uh, so, so, small side note here. I, I have to ask because I, I don't think we've talked about this yet. As a very, very accomplished golfer yourself and a, a student of the golf swing, how does Kurt Kiyama's swing make you feel? I like it a lot. I, my dude, no one gets more shallow than my dude. My dude is dummy shallow. Um, <laughs> but it, I, 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 uh, I think he's a dome golfer, right? I think he's a dome golfer. 
in the sense yep. that like he needs perfectly flat lies and like really simple not simple conditions but like he just needs flat lies and like relatively simple shots he's not a shot maker right like you don't see him pulling shots off like he's so so mechanical it seems like not mechanical but like it just it just doesn't seem like i don't think he's got that extra little gear to play well at augusta not not to say that he can't learn that but i think as a rookie first time out loads of expectations winning bay hill i think everything just lines up really good for kitty i'm gonna flame out and miss the cut fucking hugely um can't lay as the guy can't lay as the guy in that group like that's a no-brainer in my opinion adam scott is just 40 dude like it's just hard with guys once they turn 40, right? Like, you don't know where their motivation's at. You don't know where anything's at. I love Adam Scott. His swing is great. I love his golf game. His putter scares me, but that's fine. Um, it's the second scariest putter on tour behind Will Zalatoris, so whatever. Uh, so I think I think Cantley's a no-brainer. Cantley might actually win this week. Like, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Cantley won this week. So I, I, I think of those three... I think Adam Scott's like a lock talk 20. I think Kitayama's a lock missed cut. And I think Cantlay makes a run. Fascinating. Fascinating. Okay. Let's go to the next group. 12 minutes after that. Again, this is one of those, uh, the morning wave I was telling you about. So this is the third group in a row that we're highlighting. Uh, it's going to be another featured group. So going off at 742 West Coast time, Thursday morning, Justin Thomas, John Rahm, and Cameron Young. Boom. Heavy hitters in that group. That's a that's a heavy hitter group. Heavy that's hitters. one of the ones that Augusta was very, very, very happy. That's one of the ones that Augusta was like, wait till you see the seven forty two. Like you know, they they were ready. They, they, now, they, by the way, they have there's four featured groups. This is the second featured group that we've hit so far. So we had Tiger, Xander, Vic Hovland, and now we have JT, Rom, and Cam Young. I pretty good. I'm gonna go. I'm so it's gonna rain this week, right? Everyone knows the, the elephant in the mm-hmm. room is that the weather is gonna be shitty. I'm taking Cam Young in that group, and it's not even close. I think I think Cam Young boat races JT and Rom. Really? Yeah, I think he boat races them both, dude. I think he boat races them both. Interesting. Ca- just just because he feel like he carries the ball. I mean, John Rom's pretty long. It's just a matter. Is it a matter of distance? Like what? I I mean, is it just the fact that he played so well in the, in the match play and played so well in last year's majors at the PGA and at the Open Championship. I mean, what? I, I mean, we're talking about John Rom. This is a guy who. I mean, is it? Did, did John Rom just peak too early? No. Is is that why? No, I don't think John Rom peaked too early. I just think in in the context of these three guys, mm-hmm. Cam Young is the best. This is going to sound ridic- ridiculous, right? So bear with me, please, listeners and Kyle. JT is the best shot maker on the PGA Tour. John Rom is the best player on the PGA Tour. Cam Young mm-hmm. is the best player. PGA Tour golfer on the PGA Tour. Now, what I mean by that is that JT can hit shots and can do anything and is so skilled and can do whatever he wants with the golf ball. John Rahm is the most complete player. If you want John Rahm to hit a draw seven iron low, he can do that. If you want him to hit a high four iron cut, he can do that. If you want him to hit a bullet driver, he can do that. Cam Young is the prototypical modern PGA Tour player. He hits it high, he hits it far, he hits it with low spin, and he knows his numbers well, and he's a decent putter. So, I think all of those things, all of the skills that Cam Young has, play into PGA Tour setups. What is a traditional PGA Tour setup? Narrow fairways, long rough, wet everywhere, saturated so that it looks green, right? So that provides an emphasis on hitting your number 
and carrying the ball far. Cam Young is a monster at hitting his number and can carry the ball far. So I think this year's Masters will be closer to a regular PGA Tour setup than other Masters we've seen because of the wet weather, which I think gives Cam Young the edge over those two guys in that group. That's my theory. It's crazy because that's my theory. Yeah, as, as you're describing Cam Young as the the prototypical PGA Tour player, I kept thinking about how, man, this guy was the runner up, runner up at the Open Championship at St Andrews, which I couldn't think of a a less. Uh, of course, it's any less like your typical PGA Tour venue, and I, I've heard some people saying that you know Augusta doesn't really fit Cam for some of the same reasons that you cited, where he's much more of a you know a stock PGA Tour course. All the side hill lies might be you know throwing him off or something like that. But I don't know, man. I feel like we saw enough at St Andrews last year to you know to, to confidently think that if he's playing well, that this is totally not outside his you know. His, his wheelhouse. I, I think Cam Young could be really good. I, I think the only hesitation that I have in picking Cam Young to do really well this week is simply the fact that I've only seen him play really well one time so far this right. season. And I, now, how much stock to put in that, I, I, I don't know. Do you, do you have, what, what, what do you think about his start to 2023 outside of the match? Well, I just think it's nice to see him playing well as of late. So, I, yeah, yeah, I don't think he's played no. great, but I think I put a little bit of stock on the fact that when he did play well, it was recently. So I think that's... I think, And he's got and he's got Webb Simpson's, Webb Simpson's caddy on the back yeah, now. Yeah, Paul Tesori, who's a monster. Be, Paul Tesori is so great. Seems to be pretty good. Um, all right, what do you think? Next next group? Yeah, let's roll, th- let's roll through some of these groups. Let's do it. Yeah, let's roll through these. Uh, Twelve minutes later, again, the fourth one in a row we're going to hit here. So this ends the, the forfecta. Uh, this is going to be 2021 champion Hideki Matsuyama. The reigning champion golfer of the year, Cameron Smith, and the man that does not miss a start, Sung JM. Again, Augusta being fucking soft, bro. They gave Cam Smith a softball group. They gave him the two guys that don't speak fucking English, dude. So like Cam Smith is like just gonna be on an island out there. Whatever. Not not that Augusta is it's not Augusta's job to make it hard for the live guys, but again, bro. By the way, I, I wanna say they have made they with all these pairings that they're coming out. I'm I'm not trying to blow anything here. They were very nice to the live yeah, boys. Yeah, super nice to the live boys, bro. And they've been talking all this shit, dude. They've been talking all this shit about it's not good for the game and what they're doing is fracturing the professional landscape. And then they go out there and pitch them softballs, which is fine. I'm not gonna talk too much shit on it, but bro, they gave Cam Smith the two dudes who don't speak English, dude. Like Cam Smith's not like that's the easiest group in the world for Cam Smith. Anyway. Cam Smith bodies those fools, dude. Hideki's injured, and Sungjae just, like, ain't a killer. So it's Cam Smith by a million in that group. Cam Smith doing laps around them. Cam Smith running backwards on the track, f- flipping them both the double birds as he high-steps his way across the finish line on those fools, dude. Like, that's that's Cam Smith all day, baby. That's Cam Smith all day. Does Cam playing extremely pedestrian golf the last couple months on Live give you any hesitation? Yes. Oh when thinking God. about his, you yes. know, his success at at Augusta, yes. makes me so nervous. Makes me so nervous. Uh, I think Cam is like the the highest variance player in the field. Like you could tell me Cam Smith shoots eighty five, eighty five, and misses the cut, and I'd be like, "Fuck, I guess it makes sense. He went to live." And you could tell me Cam Smith <laughs> shoots twenty seven under and sets the master scoring record, and I'd be like, "Yeah, obviously, like this is Cam Smith." So yeah. Uh yeah, I I'm it gives me a lot of pause that he's been playing crappy on the left on the live tour. Like 
I, I that gives me that makes me really really nervous. But I'm I'm firmly planting my flag on Cam Smith balls out this week. Island, and if I'm wrong, I'm yeah. wrong. But I'm 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 on Cam Smith playing well this week. Oddly enough, I I, I don't really want to root for any of the live boys, but I do think it would be pretty fun yeah. to watch Cam Smith play really well. I don't really root for the live boys yeah. either, but Cam I don't know Smith why. is just the all right. Man. Let's let, let's. let's he is the man. And, and honestly, it, it, I was really delighted with his press conference. I was it, Watching some of his press conference and some of his answers, I was like, you know what? I like this guy. Cool. I, I, I hate to say it. Like, I'm not going to watch Liv, but I like the guy. I like him. You know? This, yeah, I like the dude. All right, let's jump ahead 35 minutes here. So we had that nice little four groups in a row. Uh, now we go to the 8.30 Pacific Coast time. Uh, and this, I, I only included this one purely because of one... Thick boy Bryson DeChambeau, who is going to be playing with uh, Frankie Molinari and JT Post. Don't care. Any, any. Okay. Don't let's just, let's care. Just skip right through. Screw Bryson. him, dude. Screw him. Who cares? That all three of those oh. guys. Nothing against JT Poston. He seems like a very nice guy. Don't care. Frankie Molinari passed his prime. Don't care. Bryson hate him. Don't care. <laughs> who is? Who is? In your opinion. More likely to miss the cut, Bryson or Kirk Kitayama? Oh wow, great question. Oh uh, wow, we Bryson, have no idea what Bryson. Bryson I think Bryson's yeah. more likely to I miss the so cut. I give, I give Kurt the I mean, edge. I guess I hope so. I give Kurt the edge there. I give Kurt the edge there. I will say this. I will. I will go out on a limb there. I think JT Poston beats the fuck out of Frankie and Bryson. <laughs> I think JT Poston okay. is the low. That'd be great. I mean, dude, he looks great. He looked really good at the match. Yeah, play. JT's a beast. I think um, he's the low out of those three. Okay, let's cruise uh, another couple groups ahead to the 8.54 starting time. Again, I've just included this one because of, mainly because uh, of one of the Live Boys, and that is the gentleman who won in Orlando at Live Tour Stop, which is four-time major champion Brooks Kepka, uh, playing in his first major championship since the entire world got to see... I'm not going to say see how fragile he was because I'm not totally convinced that he wasn't sort of playing it up to the cameras a little bit in full swing. But Brooks Kepka is going to be playing with uh, U.S. Open champion Gary Woodland as well as 2016 Masters champion Danny Willett. Any thoughts? Yeah, another group I don't really care about. I like Brooks a little bit, but uh, but I don't care about Gary. Seems like a nice guy. Don't care. Danny Willett stole Jordan Spieth's Masters, so he will forever be indebted to me for that, for stealing yes. that Sunday from me. It has nothing to do with the fact that Jordan hit two in the water on 12 and everything to do with the fact that Danny Willett exists. So he owes me one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't care about that group. I don't care. Like Brooks is Brooks is only interesting when he plays well. So yeah. if Brooks plays that's, if, that's really well if said. Brooks plays well this week, then cool. I'll have interest, right? But like if you're just gonna show me Brooks Kepka on paper, it's like fucking I don't care. Rorschach test. I'm like, yeah, yeah whatever. whatever. You know? So Brooks is only interesting if he plays well. If he plays well this week, great. I'm interested. If he doesn't, then who cares? Brooks is just further, further sliding into the oblivion, you know, of not of not mattering. Yeah. All right. One more group. Uh, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit more. One more group that I'm mainly just including so we can talk about one of the live guys. Uh, Dustin Johnson, Corey Connors, and Justin Rose will be teeing off at 10-12. Uh, West Coast time here. DJ Corey Connors, Justin Rose. Corey Connors coming off a win at the Valero Texas Open last week, playing some seemingly pretty good golf. He also has 
Um, a few top tens at Augusta in over the course of his career. Always seems to play pretty decent golf. Um, in the South, Dustin Johnson obviously has won a Masters in very wet conditions, albeit it was in November. And then Justin Rose, who, I mean, you know, a putt away from, from beating Sergio in 2017. A, yep. a, any thoughts here? I know you're a DJ guy, so I, I, I I'm very DJ curious. I love DJ so much. I love DJ so much, dude. I love DJ so much. I Of all the live guys, I'm rooting for DJ the most. I, You know me. I, I do love know you. DJ. Dude, I, I love DJ. I, I love DJ so much. I think DJ is so sick, dude. I think DJ is so sick. Everyone's like, DJ is boring. Whatever, dude. DJ is my fucking dude. I think DJ is the man, <laughs> dude. I. It's funny. I was hanging out with my roommate a couple weeks ago, and we watched this video on like DJ's PGA Tour career, and DJ won and no longer uh, a now defunct event called the Turning Stone Resort Championship in the fall of 2009. Mm. And it was up in upstate New York at the Turning, Zone, Turning Stone Resort. Like I've casino. heard good things about Turning Stone, the golf yeah, course. Yeah, it's like a casino course. It's cool. Everyone likes it. And DJ won his event there, 2009, first win on the PGA Tour as a rookie. And it was in the fall. And I remember watching that live after a high school golf turn, like a junior golf tournament, just sitting on the couch and watching it. And I was like, this guy's sick. And he hit this shot on like the 14th or 15th hole on the back nine. He had like a one shot lead and it was like a par five downwind. The guys in the group in front of him, he didn't know how far they were. And he flew it by the guys that were in the group in front of him. He had a driver over their heads on a par five while they were waiting for the green to clear. And my roommate was like, damn, dude, I didn't know DJ had it like that. And I was like, you haven't been paying attention. But anyway, it was just fun to relive. It was just fun to relive DJ's first win. I remember watching that live when I was 17 years old. And I remember, like, just always being a DJ guy ever since I was a kid. I remember his wins at Pebble. I remember when DJ won at Riv, dude. None none of you guys remember when DJ won at Riv, dude. Like, I was there, dude. I watched it live. Even I have spotty memories of DJ winning at Rift. Dude, we DJ won at Rift twice, dude. Like, in the rain. So, oh, dude, I fucking love DJ. So, anyway, I'm, I'll get off my DJ soapbox, but... I think I... So, is it safe to assume that we know who you think is going to be the leader out of this Yes, group? and I am rooting... Of all the live guys, I'm rooting the hardest for DJ, dude. I hope DJ... Like, if okay. every if any other live guy wins, I'd be like, man, kind of gnarly for golf. And if DJ wins, I would just I would just ignore the fact. I would pretend like he didn't play on live. <laughs> yeah. So let, let's go next group here. So that was the first of the last. So that is the fifth to last yep. group. Uh, the last five groups that I'll go out are all just heater after heater. So that was at ten twelve. Let's jump twelve minutes later to ten twenty four. Uh, reigning U.S. Open champion Matt Fitzpatrick. Two-time major champion Colin Morikawa and uh, everybody's favorite major runner-up, Will Zalatoris. I'm going to call this group the group of question marks. It's just a it's just mm-hmm. a bunch of dudes I don't know about. Will Zalatoris clearly injured. Matt Fitzpatrick clearly injured. Colin Morikawa. Does he even play Colin Morikawa golf anymore? I don't know. That's just a group of question marks. I couldn't tell you anything about who I think is going to play the best in that group. I am incredibly intrigued. Because that group is that group is funky, dude. That group is funky, and none of those guys are inspiring much confidence right now. So I'm super curious to see what happens yeah. in that group. Just as a golf fan, like I think it'd be very, very cool to see who plays well in that group. Because one of them's bound to. 
I'd hope so. I mean, it'd be really fun if Colin Morikawa played really good and, and was in the mix on Sunday. Um, that yeah, that'd be. I mean, if hey, he's a win at Augusta away from being as close to the career Grand Slam as Rory. Insane. And Jordan Spieth. Insane. Jordan Spieth. Like that would be nuts. That one yeah. would be the sickest thing out of that group, though. Like the coolest thing, in my opinion. Please. If Morikawa showed up wearing the olive pants and the floral shirt on Thursday. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Be so that electric, be... dude. That'd just be so electric. That would I would be like Morikawa by a million if he showed up on Thursday with the exact same fit that he was talking shit on in full swing. I'd be like, dude, my guy's gonna win by a thousand this week. I'm pretty sure I said it when we were reviewing full swing, I don't know how many episodes ago, but I, I thought the floor on the green looked good together. It, it, sue me. I, I thought, thought it was it nice. Too. I thought it did too. I thought it did too. I thought it was nice. All right, let's go to our the third of the four featured groups. So the very next group after Fitz Morikawa and Zalatoris at 10.36 West Coast time, you have the reigning champion, Scotty Scheffler, along with your boy, Max Homa, and the reigning U.S. amateur champion, Sam Bennett. It is a tradition to have last year's U.S. Open champion play with the defending Masters champion, Um this is going to be very fascinating because I don't think there's anybody I don't there's no completely rational people out there that don't have confidence that Scotty Scheffler is going to contend and play really really well. Um I also think there's a lot of people out there that if they had to pick their favorite golfer between these three they wouldn't be picking the number 1 player in the world. Max Homa is one of the most beloved golfers on the PGA Tour despite having little to no success in any majors over the course of his career um I don't know I I I think we know who has the best chance to play really well out of this group but I don't think Max Homa is that far off Scotty Scheffler I agree I don't think Max Homa is that far off Scotty Scheffler I think this is a really tough group for Max as a guy who uh Max is very open about how hard he is on himself and Max has also not played well in any major ever I think this group is really tough, right? Because you get the reigning USAM champ, who's going to have a lot of buzz, and you get the defending champ, Scotty, who's going to have a lot of buzz. Obviously, both of those guys fly a little under the radar, more so than anybody else in their position, but I think this is a rather tough group for Homa. So uh, I think Homa playing with the defending champ is kind of tough. I think he, I think he's going to be extra hard on himself for that. Obviously, I'm rooting for Homa. I like Homa, um, but... Scheffler is obviously going to be the low man of that group, and I, I, I'm very curious to see because, like we talked about in the last podcast, what we need to see at Ahoma is just him uh, starting to build the building blocks to contending in majors, and that starts with playing good mm-hmm. in a major. Um, and I think that these first two days are going to be huge for him because if he can't play good with these guys, it's it, you're going to start ask. I'm going to start asking the questions about can he play good in a major at all. So I have my eye on that group very closely because I think that's a big stepping stone and a big it's going to be a big two days for max homa so i'm curious to see tough draw in back-to-back major championships for max homa because if you go back to last year at the open championship he got paired with tiger woods in what was his grand return to the old course at st andrews it was chaos out there they also got the shit side of the draw in terms of weather having to go early on thursday late on friday that ended up being a terrible spot to be in at st andrews i think it seems to me from what I'm seeing is that the guys who are teeing off early on Thursday, late Friday, have a much better chance to get a good weather draw with the way that things are supposed to be shaken out um, with the rain and whatnot late on Thursday uh, and then possibly late on Friday. Again, who 
who could say? But uh, again, I, I think you're right. That's a tough spot for Max. Um, but we are still pulling for him. At least I are still pulling for him. But I think you are. Too. I think yeah, definitely pulling for him. But I think that it's an objectively really tough spot for him. Yeah. So that was a featured group. Uh, second to last group of the day: Tom Kim, Rory McIlroy, and Sam Burns. Easy group. This one's pretty spicy. It's spicy, but it's an easy group for Rory. Rory's Rory's the clear alpha there. Sam Burns is a beta. Tom Kim's a beta. Both very nice guys. But Rory's the alpha there. That's Rory. That's Rory's group to. That's Rory's group to fuck on, and that's it, dude. And uh, I said this on the earlier podcast, and I'll say it again. Rory is my pick to win this week. I'm riding with Rory. I love Rory. Rory's the man. Rory's going to do it and compete the complete the career Grand Slam this week, and we're going to watch history. And the first step to completing the career, career Grand Slam is fucking bodying Tom Kim and Sam Burns on Thursday, Friday, which I fully <laughs> expect my guy to do. Roy McIlroy seems to have a really tough time getting off to a good start at Augusta. Yeah. Any any reason for us to think that it, it's going to be any different this year? Yes. I think it's going to be different because it's going to be wet conditions. So Rory's big misses become exacerbated on firm and fast setups because he hits that hook that runs away from him. So if it's a little soft and he hits that hook once or twice and it doesn't run away from him, it just kind of plugs and stops where it is, maybe Rory's good enough to be able to get out of wherever it lands. So that's pure conjecture, but that's my theory. I think Rory... I think Rory and, dude, I'm, I said this earlier, I like Rory with that blade putter. I think Rory putts better with the blade putter. His stroke looks better. It doesn't look like he's holding it off as much with his hands. It looks like he's releasing the putter. He rolls it nice. I think Rory with a blade putter is a problem. If it's Rory by a million, dude, let's go. <laughs> so, soupy condities lead to thumbs up for Rory. Soupy condities need to lead to nasty Rory. Okay, I like that. All right, let's go last group uh, to tee off, which is going to be at 11 a.m. our time, 2 p.m. Eastern. And that is everybody's favorite son of Augusta, Jordan Spieth, along with Sir Thomas Fleetwood and Tony Finau, uh, putting a bookend on day one of the 2023 Masters. What do you think? That's another group of question marks. Very similar to the Fitzpatrick Morikawa Zalatoris. Finau, I haven't seen much of Finau this year. Fleetwood, everyone's trying to tell me he's back, but I haven't seen a whole lot of him either. I was recently watching highlights of the 2018 Ryder Cup at Le Golf Nacional. Was that 18? That was 18, right? Uh, where Fleetwood and Molinari just beat mm-hmm. the brakes off everyone. Fleetwood looks like a completely different guy. He was... Mm-hmm. I, you forget how good he was. He was unbelievable, dude. He was. I mean, he was the only guy that really had a chance to beat Brooks. He, at Shinnecock, he was. Wasn't he? he was the only guy. And uh, dude, it's it's that same year. I don't really remember it. I remember Fleetwood playing great in that time and rooting for Fleetwood. But I was watching the highlights and I was watching the shots he was hitting at Legolf National, and it was actually insane how good he was hitting the irons, dude. He was hitting irons. Inside of 12 feet almost every time. And then it, it was weird. And then he would make like half of those putts because he sucks at putting. But then he would hit these irons, like one or two bad irons a day to like 30 feet. And then those 30 footers always went in. It was weird. It was so weird. Like the 12 footers he was kind of hit or miss on. But then the one or two ones that he left far away, those ones were cash. So 
it, it, that's just not the form I'm seeing Fleetwood have right now. So I'd be hard pressed. I was so bullish on Fleetwood in 2018 in majors, and he didn't win one or do anything. Right? Obviously, he gave Brooks a run for his money, but like, mm-hmm. he didn't really do anything then, and he's not hitting the ball anywhere near as good now as he was then. So, big question mark there with Fleet now uh, with uh, Fleetwood. Finau, huge question mark because I just feel like I haven't seen him that much. And Spieth is always a is, Spieth is a walking question mark. He's a goddamn Riddler. Like I don't know, it's just a suit of question marks with Spieth, dude. Like he could do anything, and I and I would believe it. So I, it's another group of question marks. I'm happy it's going off late in the day. I'll be able to watch a lot of them, a lot of that round, barring weather. But uh, yeah, I don't know. A big group of question marks. I gun to my head, I'm taking Spieth, obviously. But uh, but that's just a, that's just yeah. a crazy group as well. Yeah, man, it should be uh, really fun. These pairings for Thursday and Friday, um, yeah, I, I think are going to be really entertaining, especially for those of us who are watching on TV. Uh, a couple last little notes on all the pairings. Um, there was only one group where there are multiple live players in the same group. It's a group that I didn't even mention because who fucking cares? That is Jason Kokrak, Taylor Gooch, and Sandy Lyle yeah, whatever. are paired together towards the beginning of the day. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, all every guy on Live is the only one from that tour. In his I group. think the I think the Masters in general did did Live guys a favor. They gave them all pretty favorable groups. It seems like to me. Yeah. Uh, another interesting thing with the pairings is there will the group that features Jose Maria Olathabal and Cameron Champ will there ever be a bigger discrepancy in distance off the tee between two players within the same group in a major championship? I feel like last year there was a gnarly one at the at the Masters too. I think like Larry Mize played with like, uh, maybe not Cam Champ, but played with like Finau or something ridiculous where it was like, dude, what is, like, yes. I think, I think, I think the Masters does this on purpose. They're trying to, they're trying to gauge how playable their golf course is. So they're like, we'll put one of the old heads with one of the long guys and see, let's see how these guys play, you know, head to head. Yeah. And uh, now we did say that, I, you know, the the Lords of Augusta may have done the live guys some favors and kind of giving them a little bit of a soft landing. Um, do you know how many of the live players are in the featured groups? One, I'd imagine Cam Smith is in the featured group. The answer is exactly zero. <laughs> yeah, dude. Fuck. There is not a single live player in one of the featured groups. So to go over the featured groups one more time, uh, these are Pacific Coast time. 718, Tiger, Xander, Vic Hovland. At 742, Justin Thomas, John Rahm, and Cam Young. At 1036, Sander, uh, Scotty Scheffler, Max Homa, Sam Bennett. And then the last group of the day at 11, Spieth, Fleetwood, Tony Fino. Live boys, no. They love Victor Hovland in those featured groups, man. Victor Hovland is a staple, is a featured group staple. Yeah. Um, all right, man. We got with the tea times here. Just a couple last little little notes before we put a bow on this thing here, brother. Um in terms of the media surrounding the Masters, um, how do you feel about going into the Masters and not hearing Nick Faldo? I'm fine with it. I think Trevor Immelman's a goat, dude. I think Trevor Immelman's so good. I like Nick Faldo too, but um, Trevor Immelman is just a little bit more detail-oriented and goes a little bit more depth than Nick Faldo ever did so far. So, I, And Trevor Immelman is, I, I don't know, I think it's going to be great. I think it's going to be great. And I, the, the coverage of the PGA Tour this year in general has been unreal, both from NBC and CBS. CBS really slightly better than NBC, but it's been really, really good. So I'm r- super excited. 
I love Colt Nost. Colt Nost calls the Masters as well. Trevor Immelman's great. Smiley Kaufman's been good on the NBC stuff. Like they they figured it out. They fi- the broadcast company's really figured out how to broadcast golf, and they're doing a great job. So I'm super excited for Trevor Immelman. I think Trevor's the f- man, and I think he's gonna be. I think he's gonna be so good. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, man. I you know I I don't think I hated Nick Faldo as much as some other people that I would hear talking on podcasts and the golf media that just growing really tired of him. I think Trevor Trevor Immelman, exactly as you said, is a dog. He's so good. And I think for like the real like golf fan, like the real sickos out there, he provides so much detail, you know, so, to such a further extent that Nick Faldo did that he is really scratching an itch that a lot of us have had watching these major championships for a long time, giving us the details. A lot of it you can really tell when the players put in those AirPods that you've been seeing doing the first day where they're doing those on-course interviews, Trevor Immelman is asking him fascinating questions about club selection, you know, going through, like, routines. What are they thinking through shots where, you know, Nick Faldo, and even even when they first started it, you know, you had heard Paul Azinger and Dan Hicks on NBC asking just, like, oh, it must feel pretty good. It's kind of good to talk to you. How you feeling? Like, no, no, Trevor Immelman's like, all right, so you had two, you know, you had 227 there. You had four iron in your hand. You're caddying, going back and forth between four and a five. You're talking wind. Take take us through what you were talking. That's exactly what I want to hear. I I don't know, and I don't expect that we're going to get any on course interviews, um, for the Masters. I'm not ruling it out. I mean, it, it certainly is is possible, but uh, I've just been so impressed with Trevor Immelman so far. I've been impressed with CBS, like you said. Um, I think it's going to be really good. The Masters is the best broadcast in golf, maybe the best broadcast in all of sports. They have been at the forefront of seemingly every technological innovation when it comes to broadcasting golf um once again you're going to be able to watch every shot from every player that you want to follow on the masters website so you don't even have to have cable uh to be able to watch every little bit of the masters that you want to you can find featured groups every player you can find the whole four five six cam you can find the amen corner everything is on the masters website which is amazing to my knowledge i believe almost all not all but almost all those same things are going to be available on ESPN Plus as well as Paramount Plus and then you're also going to be able to watch the main broadcast on ESPN on Thursday and Friday and then on CBS on the weekend. The Masters just makes it so enjoyable to watch golf and that's not even talking about just how great the tournament and the golf course is. It's just their broadcast is as good as it gets and I am really excited to just be ingesting that um, for four straight days. I, 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 I'd be curious, dude, Anything to add to that? Any? Am I off anywhere? The Masters app is by far and away the best app ever. Uh, it's just so good. The every shot for every player is great. Like the my groups where you can pick out players and then they'll just show you their rounds. I I, I don't know. I'm just so excited to ingest Masters content this this week. I can't wait to watch it all. I think it's going to be so freaking great dude i oh i can't wait to do it I'm, I'm i'm ready i'm i've never i'm so giddy for it to get started man i'm so giddy for it to get started yes god the masters is here all right before it is late so we, we're gonna get going here brother I, I have one last thing i want to run through with you uh i'm gonna give you a chance to win some serious ducats here there is a a pool that i like to play in that uh, my good friend ryan puts together where he separates the field into 13 tiers all right and you have to pick one player from each tier. I, 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 you've played in pools like this. I don't want any kind of analysis. I'm just going to read you a couple names. And I'll quick fire, within two seconds, I just want you to give me a name. I'm going to enter your ballot. I'm going to, nice grass, nice people is going to cover your entry fee. 
and we're, we're going to see how you do. So I'm I'm going to give you all the third. I'm going to basically just say the name of every player in the field very quickly. I'll go tier by tier. When I give you the five or six names, rapid fire, I just want the guy that you think is going to finish the best on all of them, similar to what we were doing with the tee times. But you can expand if you want, but you certainly okay. don't have to. All, yep. all good with you? Okay, tier one. And by the way, these tiers are based on the Vegas okay. odds as of like, Sunday of this week. Okay, first tier. Scheffler, McElroy, Rom, Spieth, Cam Smith. Rory. Rory. Second tier. Cantley, Justin Thomas, Colin Morikawa, Xander Schauffele, Cameron Can't Young. Lay. Can't lay. Third tier. Tony Finau, Max Homa, Dustin Johnson, Jason Day, Will Zalatoris, Sung JM. Love that. Fourth tier. Victor Hovland, Sam Burns, Matt Fitzpatrick, Hideki Matsuyama, Shane Lowry, Tyrrell Hatton. That tier is impossible. Um, and if you need to repeat any, I can. No, that tier is so tough. Uh, Vic Hovland, Sam Burns, Matt Fitzpatrick, Hideki, Shane Lowry, Tyrrell Hatton. I'm in between either the safe pick of Shane Lowry or the flyer pick on Sam Burns, and we're gonna go. Mm. We're gonna go Shane Lowry. He's got better hands. Shane Lowry. Love that. Tyrrell Hatton. No, 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 no consideration no, for Tyrrell there. Be Tyrrell. It's not gonna be him. Okay, fifth tier, Eldrick Tiger Woods, Justin Rose, Tommy Fleetwood, Tom Kim, Brooks Kepka, and your guy, Joaquin Neiman. I love Joaquin Neiman, dude. Shout out Torque for winning the Live Orlando last do. week, dude. That's my team. That's, those are my guys, dude. I'm a big... Uh, I was wondering if we were going to get a Torque shout out in this podcast. Big, I'm so happy you I'm saved us. I'm a big us. Torque head, dude. So, uh, Hell yeah. good for Torque for winning Live Orlando. Dude, watch out. They're going to win the team event this year. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, let's go Brooks. We'll show some. We'll show Liv some love. We'll take Brooks in that one. Okay. All right, let's go sixth tier. Uh, Corey Connors, Patrick Reed, Minwoo Lee... Adam Scott, Bryson DeChambeau, Siwoo Kim, we'll Taylor Moore. Uh, we'll go Adam Scott. We'll go veterans there. We'll go veteran presence. Adam Scott. Okay. Let's go seventh tier. Louis Oosthuizen, Mito Pereira, Sahith Tagala, Tom Hoagie, Thomas Peters, Kurt Kitayama, Abe Anser, Tom Keegan Hoagie. Bradley. No brainer. Sick. Eighth tier. Bubba Watson, Harris English, Sergio Garcia, Brian Harmon, Chris Kirk, Seamus Power, Gary Wood. Brian Harmon. I love that. Arguably the most skilled Ninth golfer tier. on earth. And I think we've had six left-handed major champions. Or, six, you know, the lefties won six out of the last 19 or 20 majors. I mean, great. You have Bubba and Phil both winning, you know, a good two and three, but very impressive. All right, let's go tier number nine. Your favorite, Danny Willett, Billy Horschel, Cam Champ, Ryan Fox, Taylor Gooch, Russell Henley, K.H. Lee, Mackenzie mm. Hughes. Let's go Ryan Fox. He hits it far. And he's won okay. a bunch of times. Ryan one, Fox and Wet Won a bunch of times on the European tour, used to playing in Wet Condities, and hits it far. Let's go Ryan Fox. Okay. Uh, tier 10. Oh, now we might be starting to get to somebody who I don't totally know the name of. Adrian so Moronk. Uh, Adrian, Adrian Moronk, Phil Mickelson, yeah. 
JT Poston, Kevin Kisner, Jason Kokrak, Keith Mitchell, Frankie Molinari, Kevin Na, Alex Noren. Adrian Moronk, no-brainer. Who is that? He's a Polish dude. He's won three times on the European tour. He follows me on Instagram, so I'm a fan of his okay. forever. He followed me on Instagram like three oh, years yeah. ago. And I was like, damn, dude, this guy's Oh, you guys are boys. Oh, dude, I'll, I'll slide in those DMs. I'll, he'll like, like my photos and comment. If you go look at my reels, like I put up a bunch of reels of me playing golf holes like at my home course, and he's out there like commenting, like mm-hmm. praying hands emoji on my reels. So Adrian Moronk's my dude. <laughs> Adrian Moronk, I've Big nev- shouts, never dude. met Hell him once yeah. in my life, but he's my, he's my guy. So we're taking Adrian Moronk, first Masters. Let's go. Love that. Excellent. Okay, let's, uh, we got just a couple left here, brother. Let's go tier 11. Charles Schwartzel, Sepp Straka, Kazuki Higa, Scott Stallings, Adam Svensson, Harold Varner III. Let's go the Zach big Johnson. body, Sepp Straka. Okay, Sepp Straka. Uh, all right, tier 12 is actually all of the yeah, amateurs. I got, I got, I got a all pick in here one tier. You. Sam Bennett, Harrison Crow, Mateo Fernandez de Oliveira, or Oliveira, excuse me, uh, Gordon Sargent, Matthew McLean, Ben Carr, Aldick, Aldrich, Potier. It's Gordon Sargent. Gordon Sargent might actually finish top 20. Who is Gordon Sargent? Give us give us a quick... Uh... Rain, he plays for Vanderbilt. He's the reigning NCAA individual champion, which Augusta National just announced this year, or last year, that moving forward now they will be giving exemptions to the reigning individual NCAA champion, like... You know, as long as they remain an amateur, just like they do with the USAM. Gordon Sargent uh, Mm -hmm. is the best player on Vanderbilt. He's played, I think, six collegiate events this year. His worst competitive score in a collegiate event this year is 72. His scoring average is 68.5. And and he won the individual national championship last year by multiple shots. Um, He's a monster. He hits it far, he hits it straight, and he puts the ball well. It's Gordon Sargent, and I think Gordon Sargent actually has a really good chance of finishing top 20 this year. Er, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Love that. I, I have to admit, I had never heard of Sam Bennett before last year's USAM. What's, is, Sam Bennett's good. So he, he was a longtime, uh, longtime number one guy on the PGA Tour U rankings. Uh, he played in the AT&T mm-hmm. Byron Nelson the last two years, goes to Texas A&M, um, played, made the cut at the AT&T Byron Nelson uh, both years that he played in it. Just a good player. Good player. Um, solid, solid player. He's a walking rain delay, but he's a good player. Yeah. Well, I mean, you got another, and also, but is it Harrison Crow, the Australian? Uh, yeah, Harrison Crow's the Australian. F- a fellow random golf club, you know, video yes, alumnus, you know, famously with, with Eric Kidd hitting that shot over in St. Andrews. I mean, did, 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 any, any love for your fellow alumnus? Yeah, of alumni? course. I'm, I'm, I, I, I like Harrison Crow. I think he's cool. I think, I think Gordon Sargent. I think all of the other amateurs, like Gordon Sargent, is a dog. I, is what you're I think Gordon Sargent is going to be on tour in the next two years, and I think the other six AMs, like you know, Lord only knows what's going to happen to their career. But I think Gordon Sargent is going to win a PGA Tour event in 2025. Like I think he's that good. Like he's close. He's really, really close. Okay. All right. Okay, I like that. Uh, all right, last year. Tier number 13, this is just a, just the old-timers here, brother. So you got Fred Couples, Vijay Singh, Mike Weir, Jose Maria Olathabal, Sandy Lyle, Larry Mize, and Bernard Longer making his last Masters God, appearance. That's Fred Couples, and, and it, it was always Fred Couples in the old-timers, bro. What do you, we're not, we're not, we got to take Fred Couples in that one. 
I feel like Fred Couples is just the one I want to root for the most, so that's probably who I would take as yeah, well. Yeah, for sure. That's our guy. All right. So just to recap here, brother, your let's see here, your sheet is going to be having Rory McElroy, Patrick Cantlay, Jason Day, Shane Lowry, Brooks Kepka, Adam Scott, Tom Hoagie, Brian Harmon, Ryan Fox, your guy Adrian, as well as Sepp Straka. Gordon Sargent and Fred Couples. Oh How my do you god, feel? I love that lineup. I dude, watch, we're gonna win. We're winning. We're winning this pool. We're winning this pool, no doubt. I love that. I love that. I, I think the the payout for when uh, when you do win uh, could be in the um, multiple thousands of dollars. Ooh. So uh, I wish, I wish us the best of luck. This is a nice grass, nice people win, yeah. dude. It's our win. This is communist. This is a communist, nice grass, nice po- nice people win. I love that. Honestly, nice grass, nice people, a nice podcast, and a really nice golf tournament that we're about to watch here the next couple of days, man. I, I, I cannot wait, brother. Um, yeah, let's let's put a wrap on this thing, man. Any any last little things you want to touch on before we uh, no, bid each same other thing adieu? I said on the last one, guys. Enjoy Masters Week. Hug your loved ones. Text all your golf buddies and your group texts. Get a pool going. If you have a link to a pool, send it to all your golf buddies. Get everyone involved. Create a big group text. We only get this week once a year, guys, and enjoy it, man. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a great week, even if it is gonna be a little rainy. Who cares? It's still gonna be an awesome, awesome week. Yeah, fuck yeah. All right, with that note, brother, I love you very much. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for being here. Thank you just for loving golf, man. Let's fucking go. Let's it's fucking Masters go. Week. It's Masters Week. I love you too, buddy. Hey, send me the pics that I made on the pool, and I'll share them on my Instagram so everybody knows. Everyone can call me out for being an idiot yes. when they get them wrong. Thank you again to Chris, and thanks to all of you guys. I hope you guys enjoyed our coverage ahead of the 2023 Masters. Uh, This episode of the podcast, as well as every other episode of Nice Grass, Nice People, is proudly presented by Suave Golf. All right, enjoy the Masters, everybody. This is, uh, gosh, really is just the best. I hope you guys enjoy, uh, and then we will be talking to you after the golf tournament. I hope we have a lot of exciting, exciting things to cover, and hopefully it happens on Sunday. All right. Until next time, everybody. Adios. Adios.